Hi, my name is Kelly, and this is my mom, Fashion. When I was 26 years old, I was on my third round of IVF. As I sat desperately in the loud ultrasound waiting room, I noticed a woman staring at me. I was always the youngest patient every single time. I was perimenopausal with a really small supply of eggs left. Out of nowhere, the woman who had previously been staring approached me and asked if I was an egg donor. I had to tell her no, I wasn't a donor and that I was incredibly disappointed in my own eggs. I had to laugh it off and was a bit flattered that anyone thought for even one second they might want my so-called young eggs. <laughs> I told me uh, my eggs were old when we first started dating. Oh, Ty. How old were you when you guys first started dating? A baby. 33. Oh, that's not old eggs, Ty. We are wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives, and at the end of the day, we are all moms. All at the same time and never in the same order. <laughs> this is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. Share it, we'd love to share your mom fashion. You can reach out at Hi, My Name is Mom official on Instagram or Hi, My Name is Mom on Facebook. We're going to talk about something that's pretty difficult to talk about today. We are going to talk about miscarriages. We're going to talk about loss and the rainbow babies that followed those losses. Today's episode is called The Rainbow Baby Connection. That's because one of the ties that bonds the three of us together is that we've all experienced loss. We've all supported each other through loss. And on a larger level, going through loss connects a lot of women. The topic is only now not stigmatized in a way that it used to be. Our moms didn't talk about their losses and we're now starting to make it a conversation among women and among parents. And I think that's a wonderful thing. We all have tissues <laughs> nearby today because we're not sure how this is going to go. And for the most part, we want to be here to brighten your day. But we also think that it's really important to talk about the tough stuff. The real, real stuff. You're super lucky to be finalizing the trifecta of rainbow babies within this circle. The final piece is Kayla's baby girl. So talking about rainbow babies, Corey, I'm going to jump in. You gave me a rainbow swaddle wrap a year ago next week. And you said, I don't know. I, this is going to make me cry. You're like, I don't know how your baby's going to get here. I, it might not be biological. It might not be, you know, through your body or you might carry a baby. But um, this is to bring you hope and love. And this is for your baby because you will be a mom. And I was in such like a numb space where um, I wasn't allowing myself to feel it. I was just being all logical, like, okay, we're going to, this is the process. And I was using so many formalities talking about getting pregnant and you're like, just stop. I have something for you. I'm going to give it to you. And I just thought it was a beautiful little thing that that was a year ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I really, I believed it then. And obviously, um, you know, she's going to be here. Yeah. So soon. And and I know one of the things that you've been dealing with is how you handle your feelings about your losses now that you are going to have this healthy baby girl. And I know you've yeah. really been struggling with that. So we're going to talk more about that later in the podcast. But before we go any further, I think you guys should know our stories. I have always wanted to have five kids. It's no secret to anyone who really knows me. And I wanted to have five kids because my mother um, had four and had a loss of her own that was number five. And so five has always been a really special number of babies to me. Um, it was really that simple. I wanted five kids. My husband really kind of always wanted four kids. Um, so we were going to have five kids. <laughs> you know, that's just how it goes. No, <laughs> I wanted four kids. But we really struggled. And, and honestly, we, we had 
we were very blessed and it was very easy for us to conceive the first three times. But after Mason, we struggled with secondary infertility and it took us about two years of really trying to, to conceive to actually get pregnant. I spent a good part of that month just completely at a loss. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm pregnant. Like, I didn't think my body was going to do this again. I, I was starting to wrap my head around three is my number. Um, and my mom always said, you know, women know when they're done. They instinctively know when your family is complete, whether that's one child, three kids or seven kids. It's like, you know, when you're complete in your heart and your home and everything. So I never felt complete. And it was interesting to me that after all this time, I was pregnant and I was like, wow, what do I do with this? This is, this is amazing. And I was about six weeks into my pregnancy, seven weeks actually. And I was getting ready for the biggest week of my year, professionally speaking. There is a big event in reality TV called Real Screen, where the world's most prominent network executives, production company, producers, development executives, and casting people all converge under one roof. And I plan my whole year for that week. It is a major, major week in my life as a working mom. Um, you know, I want to have this like false sense of like new clothes and shows that everyone's going to want. And I want to reconnect with people and I want to party and go out to dinner. And like, I have literally back-to-back -back meetings every day for four days. And we're talking every 30 minutes of my day booked. There's no missing it. It's just not, it doesn't happen. So at about 6 a.m. on Monday, my first day at Real Screen, I got up and I noticed I had some blood in my underwear. And I was like, oh, that's kind of strange. Overnight, I had had a dream and the word miscarriage kept like flashing in my head. And I was like, that's just odd. But I had a little bit of blood with Ava too. And it was very little. So I thought everything's fine. I'm fine. Like I just thought I could think this away, right? So I got dressed in my new clothes, my new heels, got my bag, went downstairs for my first of 15 meetings that day and got an incredible, incredible pain in my abdomen. Went to the bathroom in the lobby at the Marriott Marquis in DC and started having a miscarriage. I was like dilated. It was heavy, 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 very painful. Couldn't really walk, but there was no sense in my head that I could stop. You know, there was just as a, as a woman and as a mom and as an executive, there was no way that I could actually take the time to stop and care for myself. Like I had to meet, you know, I had all these things that I had to do. And so I stuffed my pants with paper towels I literally teetered on five inch heels from meeting to meeting to meeting. And I kept telling myself, if I can just get through the next one, then I can go to the hospital. If I can just get through the next one, then I can call my, you know, one of my best friends that lives in DC and she can help me. She can help me, you know, and, and through the day I was talking to my husband and he knew, um, he was very close friends with someone that I had hired to do some shows with me. Um, and so he's like, if you don't tell Mark what's going on with you, I'm going to call him. So you need to tell him. Someone needs to know what's going on with you. And I was like, okay, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. I'll, you know, I'll, get some, I'll get some help. But I didn't want anyone to know. I felt this shame. I was like, number one, I'm an executive. I'm not supposed to be pregnant. I'm already a mom. I'm not supposed to be pregnant. It was all of these, these weird feelings coming at me. And I remember my meetings later in the day, people I'm very, 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 very close to, 
I remember kind of sitting on the edge of the sofa because my cervix was so open and swollen that I could not physically sit down on a sofa. And one of the big bright spots in my day, which was just a brutally lonely and insulated day, was the woman who, she doesn't know this, so she may hear this for the first time, but the woman who was the head of HGTV at the time. I was sitting at a table and I was meeting with someone on her staff and she came up behind me and for whatever in a million reasons, she just wrapped her arms around me. And it took everything I had not to break down in tears because no one knew what was going on with me. I was, I was fighting this horrible internal battle with this baby that I'd wanted for so long and still not willing to give up the fact that it was over. Even as you were physically losing a child, you were compartmentalizing it. I will never forget in between my meetings with Food Network and Bravo, I went to the bathroom, took the wad of paper towels that I had in my underwear out, put a new wad in. And as I was doing that, the amniotic sac and baby came out of me. And I mean, honestly, it's very small at seven weeks. Like bubble gum. It, yeah, it all it came out, like right? And I could see gum. it. I could see it. Um, and I, and I didn't know what to do. And I, I was going to be late to my next meeting. I had no idea what to do. I'm holding this in my hands in a freaking hotel lobby bathroom. And I'm thinking like, okay, I got to put my executive hat on. This is where I am today. And then I'm going to deal with all the rest of this later. But like my worlds are literally colliding. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I took some pictures of it because I wanted to, I was like, I know I'm going to need to look back at this because I can't grieve this right now. I have to just get through. And I kind of like kissed it and flushed it and then like went about my day. And it was so brutal emotionally. And when I finally kind of wrapped my head around what was what what had happened, I had been through about 12 meetings. My last meeting was with Oxygen and I remember telling my friend I, I need to, I need to bail early. Like, I, I'm sorry, I can't stay for this whole meeting. And I went and got on the phone with my mom and my mom was like, Jen, she didn't even know I was pregnant. I was waiting to kind of surprise her and she didn't know I was pregnant. And she was like, listen, I respect that you just want to put on that hat and you just want to go and you just need to do the job you're there for. But you have to remember you're a negative blood type. You need to go to the hospital. Like this isn't just about oh, I'll go when it's convenient and I'll make sure everything's good. It was like, she's like, you need to go. You need to get a Rogam injection. That's why I lost my fifth baby because they didn't give me a Rogam injection after my fourth. And so all of a sudden this like, I got this, I can juggle this, I can handle this wasn't enough. Like I needed to get to the ER. So after an exhausting day of meetings, I got my car out of valet. I drove myself to one of my best friend's houses um, in Maryland she got in the car with me. We went to the ER and we were in the ER all night and all through the morning. And when I got back to the hotel the next day, I decided to tell everyone, I was like, y'all got this on your own. Like you got it. I know you can do it. I have to step back. And I'm so glad I did. I just only wish that I had had it within me to do it the day before. Like I really wish I had given myself enough grace to say, you're good. No one's going to think anything of you for like stepping back. But it's this crazy thing that women have where we have to work twice as hard for the same accolades that men do. If men went through a miscarriage that publicly in that kind of space, I can't even imagine. First of all, I don't think people understand how painful a miscarriage is. It's like a heavy, heavy period, heavy, heavy cramping, 
dilation. It's physically incapacitating. It's mentally incapacitating and it's emotionally incapacitating. We women, like we're freaking rock stars, honest to God. Like my husband was home in Virginia with all three of our children and couldn't leave to come up to DC to be with me. And I know that he wanted nothing more. You know, he filled my hotel room with flowers. And when I got back there at the end of the day, it was a really comforting place, but not being in my own home, in my own space with the people that I love the most was really, really difficult. I know Corey, I know it's a a sort of a similar situation to you. And yeah. Oh my gosh. First of all, Jen, I'm so sorry. You were just alone when you went through that. Like that breaks my heart. Guys, how am I like this emotional already? Let me pull myself together. I got pregnant pretty quickly after we started trying for a second kid. Our first baby was a complete surprise, so we never went through that fear of losing a baby. For a bunch of reasons, I was about eight and a half weeks before I even found out that I was pregnant. So by the time I had a doctor's visit, we were almost to the safe zone. We saw a heartbeat. Um, We were really lucky that everything went smoothly. I'd had a small placental tear, which is why I thought I'd had a period because I had this really light bleeding. But even that had pretty much self-repaired by the time we saw the baby on an ultrasound. So when we started trying for a second baby, I knew I was older. I had had my first baby at 35, and it was now four years later. And so I knew that my chance of miscarrying was much higher. I went into it with that mentality. I went into it going, I know this could be a rougher road. But then we got pregnant immediately. I, I had the goalie pulled. We got pregnant the first time around, and I found out I was pregnant literally a week before we did this epic trip to Europe. We were doing Barcelona and Venice, and so I didn't drink. I was already having all this nausea because I have nausea through like 16 weeks with pregnancies. So I had all these signs, and I kept telling myself, it's early, it's early, but I also, like there was no reason to worry. I had no bleeding. I had all the normal signs. But I had this needling sense of something being wrong. I was kind of obsessed with hearing the heartbeat. Could not shake the feeling that I really needed to hear this baby's heartbeat. I was supposed to go in at 10 weeks to have my first doctor's visit because my doctor was going to go on a vacation and I'd had a healthy pregnancy. There were no signs that anything was wrong. And a week before that, in my ninth week, I became so obsessed with hearing the heartbeat that I booked an an elective ultrasound. And Ty couldn't go with me because the only available time slots the ultrasound clinic had was during his work hours. But we both thought, okay, I'm just being paranoid and I'm just going to go to this appointment this morning and put my mind at ease. Well, I went in and I picked out this little giraffe animal that they were going to put the baby's heartbeat in and I was going to, you know, give that to Radley to kind of open up the subject more. And then we go into this room and there's literally a wall size screen. And as the tech starts looking around, I see my uterus on the screen and I can see a circle inside of the uterus but she wasn't saying anything. I knew what an ultrasound looked like, and I just didn't think it looked quite right. And she said, you might be wrong on your dates. And I said, but if I'm right, should we be hearing a heartbeat and seeing a baby? And she said, yes, ma'am. She was trying to handle it gently, but I 100% knew. Um, And so she basically, you know, said, I'm not going to charge you for this. Um, You should call your OB. I went to the car. And I had a brand new Grand Cherokee that I'd had for only a few weeks. And I was trying to call my husband who was in a big work meeting. And right as he answered, I was backing out and there was another car flying by and and I was parked by those big cement pillars. And I crashed my brand new Jeep into a cement pillar 
And I was like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. And so my husband answers, and I had been holding it together. I had been like staying strong and and very stoic about it. And then when I crashed my car, I just had a, a a huge breakdown. My husband, my poor husband answers the phone as that happened. I'm like, I just crashed my car and there's no baby. And, you know, um, and so then my husband, of course, left his meeting, met, met me at the doctor's office. The doctor did a transvaginal ultrasound and we kind of went through the same thing where he asked me about dates. And I don't think he realized that I already knew that this pregnancy wasn't going to have a happy ending. Um, but where it got really difficult for me is that not only did I find out that I didn't have a viable pregnancy, but my body still thought it was pregnant. I had something called a missed miscarriage where the baby has passed and your body doesn't get the signal. And so my boobs were sore and huge. My stomach was bulging. My HCG levels were very high. And he told me I had three options. I could wait to miscarry naturally. I could take Cytotech, which is a drug that makes you miscarry, or I could have a DNC. And his suggestion was a natural miscarriage. He thought that was the best move. And he told me that that could take two weeks or it could take two months. Two months of my body thinking it's pregnant when it's not. And like, keep in mind at this time, I was so nauseous. I was nauseous. I was hormonal. I was all these things. And I remember sitting there in the doctor's office and just the overwhelming feeling was that I felt dumb, which in hindsight, I'm like, that's not fair to myself. But I thought, how could I not know? How did my body trick me like this? And I just felt so stupid. <laughs> um, and we deci- I decided to, to miscarry naturally. And then he told us, of course, that after I miscarried, that the miscarriage could take weeks. And then we would need to wait however many weeks or months before I had a period again. And then we needed to wait a couple of cycles before we tried again. And that, to me, just seemed like an endless road. I thought, how can I go get through those months, not knowing if there is a baby on the other side of this. And at that point, you girls understand, you know, you fall in love with the expectation of the baby. You fall in love with the idea of that baby and you start planning things around how pregnant you'll be at that time. Like, oh, by the time we, you know, have those tickets to that game, I'll be three months pregnant. And we had just gotten a big boy bed for our then three-year-old because we needed the crib and we were making plans. Um, and I, f- I think the reason I felt dumb is because I was so intent on the fact that I understood that miscarriage could be a high probability at my age. And I was ready for that. Half the time I'd go pee and like be prepared to see a little bit of blood. But none of that happened. I had no signs. And so I just felt completely betrayed by my own body. And so I went through several weeks of just a lot of anger and a lot of resentment towards my own body. Um, And I told myself, well, intellectually, I know this baby wasn't viable, so I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Rather than just letting myself grieve the loss. Again, like I felt like I should be strong. I should be strong for my 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 little boy, I should be strong for my husband. Um, but those weeks in between finding out there was no baby, feeling so pregnant and losing the baby were just incredibly brutal. Um, and the doctor had told me that the miscarriage could be anything from a light period to more like a, a uh, not so bad labor. And it was not like a bad period. Um, I ended up, I ended up starting to miscarry at around 11 weeks pregnant. Um, and then it took two or three weeks before it finished. And, and Jen, I wasn't home either. Um, 
We were actually driving down to this music festival in Chattanooga and I started having these horrible cramps in the car, like doubled over in the car. Um, And I've never been in labor because my body has never gone into labor with my two babies, but it's the closest thing I know to labor, which is like I was having these waves of pain. Um, And I was putting on a brave face for my husband's coworker as well. I was having these horrible cramps that made me just want to like, you know, lay down on the floor. Um, And then that night we were staying in a hotel in the poor residence in bathroom, (laughs) whatever. And I got, I laid down, I was so tired and I got up in the middle of the night and, um, and I got up to go pee and something fell out of me into the toilet. And and it was a two process thing. Um, Kayla actually was invaluable to me during this time. Um, she had kind of told me what to expect and she had mentioned going like it's, there might be like a piece of gum kind of thing. Well, I had, I had my miscarriage in two, two waves. The first was that, and, um, this is probably TMI. I don't know if anybody wants to know this, but it looked like a piece of gum and it smelled like something had died the first time. And it was like, it was like I was having my period, but very, very heavy. And then one of those times there was more to it. And I knew what that was because Kayla had told me, but I think it looks like a piece of chewed bubble gum. Yeah. And, uh, then the second wave was, um, was the placenta. That's why I continued to bleed because my body had not expelled the placenta. And so, um, so in that bathroom and the, whatever it was, um, this is super gross too, but like something literally fell out of me and I like, I just felt compelled. Like I picked it up out of the toilet water. It's so gross. I just like held it in my hand. And that wasn't even like the baby. Like that was clearly the placenta, but it was like the size of my hand. And I just like held it and like looked at it. And I was just like, what do I do? You know, and my husband and my, you know, little boy were asleep in the other room. And I just flushed it and washed my hands and went back to bed. I mean, like what a weird thing, you know? I think there's something to be said about the flushing because when Jen said it, it like, it really triggered me. And I think it's like, there are so many like thousands, if not millions of women that have had to flush that toilet, but it is one of the hardest like motions a woman can do is flush that toilet knowing that they just lost a baby and there's nothing else you can do. You just have to flush it. Yeah. And, and after that, you know, I, that was the end of the pain and the bleeding and that was the completion of the natural miscarriage for me. Um, so it was just such a long process, which made, which just continued to make me feel angry. I felt so mad from the time I found out there was no baby to lose it. So I was about 13 weeks by the time the miscarriage was complete. And so that was hard too, because it was like, we should have been sharing. You know, that's the time that you start telling everyone. Um, And instead, I hadn't told anyone. um, And I was, you know, like just waiting. I was waiting for a miscarriage, you guys. It felt like such a backwards world where I was peeing on HCG sticks to watch the HCG go down. Like I was praying. I was begging my body to miscarry. The doctors told me to like take it easy and I wasn't. I was like killing myself at the gym thinking like if I push myself harder, maybe my body will get rid of this. Like get out so that I can try again for that baby who that I'm like that I've been wishing for, you know? And so I just, I was really hard on my body. I was really hard on myself. And, and Kayla, knowing what, what it was like just going through that once, what happened? I, I didn't know you when you had your first miscarriage. What happened? We 
we, after we moved to Nashville in two, spring of 2014, we said we would be there a year and then like start trying. So we started trying that summer and found out in October that we were pregnant. And like most people, when you first find out you're pregnant with your first one, uh, the doctors don't get you until 10 weeks. And I had no problems going in at 10 weeks at around I want to say eight weeks I was spotting and I was pretty into like going to the gym a lot. And I always had this dream that I would be this really fit pregnant person. And so I thought, and I, everything you've read, it was like, Oh, if you keep your same routine, you'll be fine throughout your pregnancy to like keep working out. And so I was going to my yoga classes and like my, my flex classes and still doing all that. And I, got home from a flex class, um, a Saturday morning. And it was, I was right at eight and a half weeks and I knew I had an appointment like in a week and a half. Um, but I was like spotting a little, and I remember calling my sister and, and thinking like, uh, is this normal? Like, I know that sometimes you spot and, and anybody that knows me knows I don't freak out right away. I like process things and like, I don't get really upset until, I have all the information because I've been through like a lot of pain. And so like if something's little, I don't let it affect me until it's bad. Um, so I didn't freak out at all. And my sister was like, you might want to go to the doctor and just get it checked because it was bright spotting. And it was actually Halloween day. It was October 31st. And I went home, I got home from class and I showered and I said, Hey, I think, I'll call the doctor and see if we can get in. They couldn't get us in because it was a Saturday. And so we thought, well, it's our first pregnancy. We're a little nervous. We'll just go to the ER. Um, and so we went and they, there was a heartbeat and, but they couldn't find the sac. They said at that point that it was ectopic and that I'd have to schedule getting it removed or doing the methotrexate shot, which, uh, terminates your pregnancy. And so I was told, I had to pee and I had to do the same thing with the HCG sticks to check your levels. And they said, if you come back in on Monday and if your levels are lower then it, then it is ectopic and then we have to um, terminate the pregnancy. And so that's, that's what we did. Um, we went back and the levels were lower um, and it took about two weeks for that pregnancy to completely terminate. And we just had to keep going back every two days um, to the doctors to see if it passed yet. And then after about a week of doing that, it hadn't passed. And so we had to go to the hospital um, because we're with ectopic pregnancies, you're at risk of your fallopian tubes um, rupturing. And so we didn't want to risk that. And so we're at the hospital and, um, yeah, I had to just like wait for it to pass out of my tube with the methotrexate without any, um, rupturing. And so that's kind of what we did. It was really painful. Uh, the first one, I think because it was right before Thanksgiving, we already had all these hopes and plans to like tell the family, at Thanksgiving because we were like, oh my gosh, we'll be like right in our second trimester um, at Thanksgiving. It will be perfect timing. So I think the hope with that one, with it being the very first pregnancy, the hope is what killed us for that is uh, then going through the holidays with all the losses. And at the same time, my sister was pregnant and she was um, a couple weeks 
earlier than I was. And my cousin was also pregnant. And so for me with that first one and having such close family members be like on the same exact journey, that was really hard to like move past that. And with the second one, the second one wasn't as eventful, but we got pregnant right away after. And we were in New York, actually. We had an awful Christmas um, just with losing um, the first one. And so we didn't really do presents or anything that year. And we just said, we're just going to go to New York. I had some work stuff there. And we were sitting in like little Italy in one of those little like restaurants um, there. And I took a drink of wine and had a bite and I immediately ran to the bathroom and threw up and I was like I think I'm pregnant like it was just and so we took a test in New York found out we were pregnant when we were in New York and I think literally the pregnancy test was like $22 on Times Square at the Walgreens (laughs) (laughs) and so and then we actually got into a fight that night because I was really excited and wanted to make it special. And Jonathan was like, don't get excited. Don't get your hopes up until we get home and go to the doctors. And like that night we didn't do anything. We like stopped our night at like six o'clock. We fought in the hotel room. I went like and walked on a treadmill in the hotel gym and he like watched movies and the next day then we were fine. But it was this weird night where we didn't talk to each other because I felt like he was being so grumpy and I was so hopeful. And so when we got home, scheduled an appointment, and again, they were like, well, we still can't get you until 10 weeks. And the frustrating thing about infertility, uh, miscarrying, and the whole pregnancy journey is that you have to go through so much before someone actually takes you seriously and considers you like high risk or anything. And we hadn't reached that quota yet of like losses where we were considered high risk or anything. Uh, just because ectopic isn't considered a miscarriage, it's it's just kind of considered a pregnancy loss. And so um, we couldn't get in and Jonathan and I were kind of like at a weird spot where we weren't getting like hopeful or anything. And so when I went in for my appointment, I was, I was super hopeful and um, they told me there was no heartbeat in it. And I thought I passed, but I wasn't spotting too much, but they just said it wasn't viable. And so I had to go home and pass it. And when I went back the next week for them to check to see if I passed it, it was, this was very traumatizing for me because the tech that was doing my ultrasound to check, make sure the sack and the, and the yolk and everything was out. She goes, Oh, well, it's good news. It looks like you passed everything. And I lost it. Like I was so emotional at that point for me. I was like, why would you ever say that is good news? And it just triggered me. And I know she didn't have those intentions, but like that was just the most devastating thing someone could tell you um, when you're going through it. And we didn't get pregnant again until the following Thanksgiving, 2016. It was two days before election day because I remember took a test, found out we were pregnant, and um, I, <laughs> I posted a picture saying like I voted with holding a glass of wine because I didn't want anybody to know that like I think we had just met. We just met at a birthday party, yeah, and like just found out that I was pregnant, and 
I went to California. We were going out there for his parents uh, to do Thanksgiving, and we weren't going to tell anybody until Christmas um, just because we had two losses prior. We wanted to get a little further along. But Thanksgiving morning, woke up at 4 a.m. in intense, intense pain, um, went to the bathroom, and it was just a blood show. And I knew I was miscarrying. I was crying. I like sat there for probably 45 minutes. And Corey, when you said that, like you picked it up out of the toilet, that's, I identified with that because I've never said this to anybody. I remember literally like putting my hands like under myself and trying to catch everything that was coming out because I told myself like, I'm going to find it. I'm not going to let it get lost in the toilet. Like I'm going to find it. Like, cause there was just so much blood coming out yeah. and I was like, I'm not going to like, just let it drop. And then like, and so I was literally trying to catch everything that was just like coming out of me. And, and I remember like, not like there was just so many chunks, um, just cause I was a little bit farther along and, um, and I didn't know exactly how far because we, we were able to go to the, or all I did was go to the doctor and they did the urine and the blood test or whatever and said, yeah, you're pregnant. You'll come back here for the ultrasound because it was too early to do like the ultrasound and stuff uh, before we left. And then I remember like, it was just chunks and I never really found that piece of bubble gum that I knew what it was supposed to look like. And I remember taking my hands over to the sink and like just bawling as I'm washing this blood off my hands and thinking like, Oh my gosh, like I never, I, I didn't get to catch it. Like I didn't like, what is going on? So I woke up Jonathan and I told him what happened and he's like, what do we need to do? Do you need to go to the emergency room? And I was like, no, like it's fine. Like I just, I just miscarried. Like I'm pretty sure like it's all out. I'm not in like, I'm in pain, but not that much pain. And I said, don't tell anybody like, and so I messaged my doctor and like had like a nurse get back to me because it was Thanksgiving. So you can't really get, and we were in California and our doctor's in Brentwood. And, um, and she just said, you don't really need to go to emergency room unless it's uncontrollable bleeding. Or if you have to change a pad, like every hour, then you need to go. Cause that's too much bleeding. And, and I kind of knew the appropriate amount of blood that you lose. And so uh, I cooked a turkey that day and had Thanksgiving with his family. And we took Thanksgiving pictures and like, I didn't tell anybody. And then two days later, um, his grandma actually passed away. And so we just like shoved it under a blanket and didn't tell anybody. And I went to the doctors when I got home the next week and they confirmed that it past. And it was, we never dealt with that one because his grandma passed away. And then it was just full like family mode time to deal with it. We didn't have time to process it or deal with it because he, let's see, Thanksgiving was on Thursday. I lost it on Thursday. He flew home on Saturday. His grandma passed away the next day. I had to stay until Wednesday to help with like arrange some stuff with her. And so we just did not process it at all. And I told his mom when she was taking me to the airport a week later. So it, it was just like a really weird thing. And I was like, I'm okay. It's just okay. And then we never dealt with it. And we didn't get pregnant again until with the fourth one until a whole year later. And it was right at Christmas time. And you 
where you just found out you were pregnant with Bash and you told us, you thought you were pregnant and you told us all at the Christmas dinner and I wasn't pregnant yet. So you were, um, a few weeks ahead of me, but I remember like finding out with the fourth one, we were pregnant and this was in January of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you had Bash in 19, right? No, this 18. was, so you, you found out that you were pregnant shortly after I did. Yeah. It was just like a month after. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> the dates. Well, we talked up. about being pregnant at the same time. We had talked about that since we knew each other, really. Yeah. I wanted a second baby. You wanted a baby. Yeah. And we thought it would be so much fun to be pregnant at the same time. And, and that fourth one that you went through hit me particularly hard because I remember telling you, hey, you tell me when me talking, like me mentioning pregnancy yeah. is too much because you, I remember distinctly getting a call. I had had my genetic testing mm-hmm. um, and I had just found out that everything looked good. I'd found out that we were having a boy mm-hmm. at, and it was the same day that you came to my house and we were going to an event for a friend and mm-hmm. you had just gotten the news that it was I like literally came pregnant. to your house after um, about six months before we got pregnant, I had my tubes blown out. So bait with the, the contrast dye test, which is awful. I, if anyone has to go through that, they basically push dye through your fallopian tubes to make sure there's not a blockage. I went to the fertility clinic to talk to them um, because we were currently in the process of pursuing IVF, found out we got pregnant on our own after I had my tubes done. And um, when I went in, they were like, uh, we're so sorry, but you're going through a miscarriage. And I didn't cry. I was very like, matter of fact, I was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, well, you know, I'll just go home and we can just keep on schedule for IVF. Like I was just, I didn't, I did not even like, no, because we were going to, we were going to go celebrate a friend and I was planning on coming to your house after that. And I, I knew I was pregnant, but I, and because of all the losses, I was kind of open with it. I can't remember. I honestly am blanking out. I can't remember if I told you I was pregnant before that or if I told you that I thought I was pregnant. I I don't remember. I really don't. <laughs> you told me that you thought you were pregnant, and you didn't tell me that you knew that you were pregnant until the day that you told me you'd found out you were losing the baby. Yeah. And I went. And I know that's house. because you were setting yourself up mentally to deal with it, that you almost pushed aside the idea that you were really pregnant. Yeah. You, you guys had been not trying, not, not trying, starting with fertility clinics and all of that yeah. stuff. And I think that you were protecting yourself. Like I already totally was. for the loss. You guys know me. I am a planner. I I like to know facts beforehand. I, I like to be mentally prepared for all possibilities. And so I was trying to save myself from the hope, um, of going through another loss. And so I think I told myself, if I don't have that hope, if I don't allow myself to get excited, then it won't hurt if something goes wrong. And so I remember going to Corey's house and just being like, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's go. And I was like, don't, whatever you do, don't tell our friend we're celebrating her. I'm fine. I'm fine. And that was probably one of the hardest things that I went through because I didn't let myself feel it. I didn't let myself experience it. Corey, you gave me the most invaluable, like I, I perspective going through that was you, it, I think it was like two weeks later and you were like, stop telling yourself you're okay. You were worthy to hurt. And, um, 
you know, with the fourth one, and I know I've opened up and shared about like our marriage. That was the hardest one on us just because we never processed the third one ever. It was never talked about. It was just over. And then all of a sudden the fourth one happened and it, it was such a thing that it, I, n- I never really got to even focus on the loss of the fourth one because all of a sudden it was a marriage problem and it was, well, you should have done this with fertility before and blah, blah, blah. blah. And we, we didn't have all the dots connected to be ready for this pregnancy. And so, um, it took me a long time to get my head to be ready to be pregnant again. So we waited a year and we were supposed to start last spring a year ago and I wasn't ready. I had all the facts and everything set up logistically to get ready for it. But like, it just hit me that like my heart needs a little more time. I, one of my absolute best friends in the world, um, called me one day when we were living in LA, this is, you know, 10 years ago at this point. And she was like, Jen, I'm having a miscarriage. I need you to meet me at the hospital. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Having a miscarriage? I didn't even know you're pregnant. Let's talk about that secret pain because that is what happens. It is a secret pain for so many reasons, yeah. namely that you don't share the news about a pregnancy until you get to that safe mark, which is yeah. around the beginning of the second trimester. Miscarriages happen before yeah. that. That experience was so traumatizing for me because it, it made me realize you tell the people who you're going to need if something bad happens early so that you don't have to then go, oh, I'm having a miscarriage. And you're like, miscarriage? Well, I didn't even know you were pregnant. This baby girl is pregnancy number five for me. But I told you guys, I found out on Friday and I told you guys on a Monday because I knew from the previous four losses that if I did lose one, I can't go through another one alone. You need to have your people in place because doing the double whammy of news of I'm pregnant, I'm having a miscarriage is so traumatizing. And then you have to almost like for me, every time I would do that with my family and my sisters, I would have to take care of their grief. You know, when people love you, see you hurting, they hurt. And all of the information at once is just really hard to process. I went through yeah. a lot of that where I was continuing to go about my day. I was still doing songwriting sessions and um, going about things in kind of a fog because my big thing was that I have friends that have gone through way worse yeah. than I went through. I mean, even you, Kayla, I'm like, how is my one loss worth me feeling this level of pain when it doesn't even compare to what someone else goes through. And I think that that is part of why people don't talk about it because say you had a chemical pregnancy and Mm -hmm. you beat on a stick, you found out you were pregnant and the next day you started your period. That doesn't mean that you don't deserve to feel your feelings. And then when you're going through a loss, the feelings are even bigger because you're going on this hormonal ride. So everything feels extreme anyway. And then you feel like you just have to put on this face and go about your day, especially having a a kid at home who was old enough to know that his mom was off and trying to hide that from him and trying to be strong for everyone. And I remember, I remember my husband just going, sitting on the couch with me. And we had this conversation about just letting ourselves have all the feelings. And -hmm. I just remember me going, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And him sitting down and going, no, we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about how we feel. And 
thank God he did that because it is so in my nature to just go, I don't want anyone worrying about me. If you haven't gone through that loss, but you think something is off with a friend, let them tell you in their time. When you go through that loss, you can recognize the pain. It it really is this like rainbow connection thing we're talking about. Yeah. You and I grew very close during the time when you were going through loss. I was going through loss. Mm -hmm. I leaned on you a lot to talk me through what was going on. You were there for me in a way that you were this like bright light where you were there. What what can I get you? Can I make you dinner? Can I come over and drink wine with you? You were such a positive light in my life during that time. While you were going through multiple losses and you were going through loss when you didn't already have a child. And, And it's one of the reasons if you do have loss, I'm sure Jen, you've gone through this where people can other outside people can minimize oh, completely. Loss, like, oh, you already have kids. It truly doesn't matter. It doesn't. I'm telling you, Kayla, well, you can always adopt. Like for me, you're, you are a mom. Like when you feel that little, that little precious thing inside you, the awareness of being pregnant makes you fall in love with the expectation it sets with that baby that you dream about yeah. being in your arms in nine months. I've had a lot of that damage um, from people trying to help. It's not that they're, they, they have ill intentions or anything. They, they do try to like give you that silver lining, but it doesn't help. And I think the best things that you can say to someone is that sucks. And I'm really sorry you're going through this. And if you haven't gone through that, say, I don't know how to relate, but I'm here if you need to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, or it can be as simple as, do you want a glass of wine? That sucks. You're going through this. Uh, but you don't necessarily need to open up the door and ask them details every well, time. We talked a lot about sometimes you just need a shoulder, an ear, a friend, not a solution. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like, since you bring it up, like, I personally have always really had this. I've found a lot of fault with the word miscarriage in general. Like, I always feel like it's somehow identifying blame on the mom. Like, you miscarried yeah. your baby as though totally something agree. you could have done. Physically, like, oops, I dropped the baby. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm sorry. I hate it's that word. It's a horrible word. It's like, can we all just agree that it's like, it's a loss. Even with this pregnancy, I was looking at my um, my medical list of things that are wrong with me, and it doesn't say anything about miscarriage. In my notes, in my chart, it says habitual aborter, and it <laughs> hit me. I'm like, why would you oh, say that? Horrible. And I asked my doctor, and he said that's the medical terminology that they use for someone who's had several losses. And I'm like, oh I God. hate that. It's horrible. I that's think there's a lot horrifying. of horrible medical terms. I mean advanced maternal age, which used to be called a geriatric pregnancy. Oh yeah. What is it like? 35? Oh my God. That's crazy. I mean, let's talk about even the word vagina guys. I always say hoo-ha. It's I even a- say, I even say that to my doctor. Like, I'll be like, I've had some hoo-ha pains. And he's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, <laughs> like, I just can't say vagina. I'm, I'm 12. You did, yay! <laughs> we should just rename stuff. We should rename all that stuff. It just makes it more painful. And then, and then when you are going through that kind of pain, the guilt for me, I went over and over in my head. What, what can I, I do different? Done. Maybe it was the travel. You know, I was on an airplane, a really long flight to Europe, and then I ran on the treadmill. Maybe it was that run on the treadmill. And quite frankly it would be really hard to mess up a pregnancy that was viable in that early right. stage. And and it more than likely was not my fault. That's where it gets tough with your partner because Ty was able to sort of 
deal with his feelings and then move forward. But I still had this thing in my body and I still felt so pregnant. Yeah. And so it almost just felt like I, I want to just be like, get, I need to get over it already. Yeah. For everyone's sake. And your hormones go so, so crazy. I remember being like, I'm eating super clean. Like I'm working out all the time and I'm gaining weight. My body would not let me get rid of the reminder that there was something wrong with me. And um, then for Ka- Kayla, for you, you know, it's not just about going through the miscarriage for all of us and particularly for you who's gone through multiple losses. You have to make that decision to try again. Honestly, to get to the decision to try again, it took me a year. Um, but not only that, I had to be at 100% peace with myself. And I think those that are in my life um, know the drastic change that I made internally from the slowdown with my hustle with work in a good sense where I just, I didn't feel the need to be so overly successful to mask, um, this pain that I had, which is how I spoke before. That's how I dealt with a lot of the losses. Um, I spoke with that in the identity, um, crisis episode is that I dove into work because I thought, well, at least if I'm successful, then I don't have to be a mom. I, I'm a Christian and I rely on my faith a lot. And for me personally, I had to completely let go of any control I had over it and just be at peace with myself. Whatever my journey is supposed to be, I had to just kind of give it up and, and say, I'm at peace with just who I am, where I am, and what I'm doing in my marriage. And I'm going to choose to love my husband again. I'm going to choose to um, kind of forgive him through the pain that we've gone through. And I had to make that decision to be at peace um, in order to be ready to be a mom again. And I think that that is the sole reason why I got pregnant um, and I'm still pregnant and I'm gonna have a child is because I forgave myself part of moving forward is grieving that loss. And I think we all have different ways that we view that baby. Jen, what is your, I mean, for some people it's religious, for some people it's more scientific. Jen, how do you? Mine's really more spiritual. I don't really view it as religious or scientific. You know, I, I had three very healthy pregnancies and then I experienced a loss and then I got pregnant with our rainbow baby about a year after that. So for me, just in my head, Five has always been my number. I've always wanted five babies and I have five. I just have one that's not with me in my arms. And, you know, I even when um, I first got pregnant with Evelyn, who's our rainbow baby, Adrian gave me this necklace at um, Easter and it had a mama duck and four little baby ducks. And I, I know he gave it to me because it's me and my babies. And, and he didn't know. My mom had this necklace when I was little that she gave the girls, which was a mama bunny and her, her three little baby girl bunnies behind it. So it actually meant a whole hell of a lot. But what I've never told him is that I always view my necklace as my four little chicks and my baby chick that's in heaven as like a guardian angel, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to cry now, watching over all my babies, you know? So I just had to kind of wrap my head around the fact that like five was my number. It is my number and it always will be. I am also a, I would say I'm a spiritual but not religious person. And I definitely have angels that I think that are watching over, you know, my babies. Um, it's not necessarily how I view the loss. I felt like from an intellectual standpoint, 
I knew that this baby was not viable. And I feel like the female body is incredibly smart. Um, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't really about that baby. It wasn't the attachment to that baby. It was about our second child and that we knew we wanted two kids and that would make our family complete. And it was about not having that baby in February. And it was about not knowing if we were going to be able to have another baby. And we started to talk about adoption and Ty was, Ty hated the idea that I might have to go through that again. Um, But I firmly, firmly believe that the baby who is meant to be in your arms is the baby who ends up in your arms. And so for me, if that pregnancy had been viable, I wouldn't have Sebastian. And like that to me, oh my gosh, I'm just so in love with Sebastian. And to me, it's like one of those things I'm really big on like things happen for a reason. Yeah. And I go, you know, like Bash just, it, it wasn't his time to be in my arms yet. And then he was in my arms when he was supposed to be. And, and I've told you that many times, Kayla, that, and, and I feel like that regardless of how that baby gets in your arms, I don't know if that means a biological child, an adopted child, you know, a surrogate, or for some people, their nieces and nephews become their babies, you know? Oh, that was my case. My nieces and nephews, and even like my friend's kids, like I, I am totally, I can love somebody else's kid like so intensely. Um, That was totally my case, but I can relate to that about like, your baby is going to come in your arms when it's supposed to, because I think about like my marriage, I think about our living situation. We, and not that we couldn't have made it work with any of the first four pregnancies, but it's so perfect now. Um, just how the timing of things worked out. I could not have planned it. Like I could not have me being the planner and being a control freak could not have wrote out this timeline. We also manifested this baby when Kayla Kayla moved into a new house and we brought all this baby stuff over to her house. And we just put, I feel like we really put all this good energy. I was just ready. And obviously I didn't even know I was ready because we had a meeting with Dow. And so I was drinking that night. I was out at another industry event drinking that night. And like, I, I remember like when I found out I was pregnant, it hit me that I, it was so off my radar. We were finally having like sex for fun again. I just was so caught off guard. It was, it was perfect. You know, being excited about the the rainbow does not minimize the babies that you lost. And I think that yeah. some people choose to honor I, I have one friend who said she wrote letters to the babies that she lost. And I have one friend who sent me a necklace, Jen, and it had um, the birthstone that would have been the baby I lost birthstone. I have Christmas tree ornaments. Um, yeah, baby June, a baby September, a baby October. And like, they're just these little crystal Christmas ornaments that all have their, um, their birth dates or their birth months on them. It's been something that I just did for myself to know that, They'll always be a part of our family. Every year, they're going to hang on the tree. Even if they don't have presents underneath the tree, their little souls are with us. Well, we've talked a lot about the law, so let's, let's talk about the rainbows. Jen, how did you find out about your little rainbow, Evie? Well, we did a lot of things to sort of help our fertility journey. We saw a fertility specialist. I got on a bunch of supplements. I was planning every time we were going to have sex, right? Because I knew it was going to be That's our last the worst. baby. It's, it's horrible. It's so worse. Adrian was going to leave town for the weekend. He was giving me my first weekend alone in like eight years. Wow. The kids um, to visit his parents for the weekend. And I thought, well, we have to have sex before you leave Friday morning. It has to happen. It has to happen. 
And it didn't happen because he was so irritated with the like pressure and the stress of the like routine sex, as we've talked about before, that he was like, no, no, no. He's like, we're good. We're good. And I remember being depressed all weekend long. But guys, in actuality, what happened was I started ovulating like late Friday night, early Saturday morning. And probably the fact that we had sex like way long in advance and all those little boy sperm had a chance to die off. And my little Evelyn swam on up there and like got in. She was the rainbow baby. She was the one that completed our family in like every single sense of the word. And honestly, I've never experienced, I had never experienced loss before any of my first three. And so this one, I have such a different perspective with her. I just, I, at least one time a day, every single day, and she's 23 months old, just say, thank you, God, so much for this baby because she has truly just completed our family. Little Evie, I can't believe she's almost two. I I know. We went through the same thing where it just, sex became such a chore. And there's all this disappointment that happens when you pee on a stick and you're not pregnant. And that, the, the more months you go through not getting pregnant, the more the stress mounts. Yeah. And I think Can it's we a, talk about peeing on a stick month after month? Like it awful. is awful. The first time I started using ovulation sticks, I got in a legit fight with a clear blue easy ovulation stick because it said I was low fertility when I was having all the signs of high fertility. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. I'm for like I literally got in a fight. I was yelling at the stick. And then the next day it said peak. But it took us <laughs> It took us a good six or seven months to get pregnant again. And ultimately, Jen, very similarly, we what it was is that we needed to have sex earlier in my cycle. And I think that's how I got surprised pregnant with Radley is that as it turns out, um, I guess I ovulate early. I ovulate earlier in my cycle. And so I, it was 3 a.m. and I had just kind of figured out oh, I think we need to do this on the earlier side. And he was getting out of bed and I'm like, you will get back in bed. <laughs> and then I remember he left town and like I was just peeing on sticks as soon as I possibly thought it could be pink. Um, and there definitely was a lot more fear during the pregnancy. But I also had this thought once I saw little baby Bash's harpy, I also didn't have that anxiety that I did during the pregnancy that I lost. And I don't know if that's intuition where you just sort of like- I think it's intuition. You think so? Mm-hmm. I, cause I went through that and I feel like I have every reason in the world to have doubted this pregnancy. But even when I told you guys that Monday when we were all having coffee that I was pregnant, I just had this hope. I was like, she's going to be like, this, like I'm good. Like Fine. she's going to be okay. It, it was a weird intuition, but it really wasn't. I don't think it was until 25 weeks that I was like, I don't have to be scared anymore. I remember you accepting it. I remember you asking Mm -hmm. your doctor, you asked him, is there anything I should prepare myself for? And he said, yeah, having a baby in May. Yeah. (laughs) It's so exciting. I'm so excited. I really am. So my rainbow is uh, one and a half and now argues with Alexa. Yes. Yeah. person to argue with. She knows all. (laughs) Yeah. He consistently asks her to play baby shark. So it's on a loop in our house. Uh, Jen's, Jen's rainbow is almost two and is pretty much potty trained, although she pooped on the floor today. Oh, that was great. She stuck her hand in it and brought it to me, but yeah. And then Kayla has all this to look forward to because her baby girl is going to be here in a matter of weeks, if not days. Yeah. And my rainbow little baby decided at 32 weeks that she wants to drop and be ready to come out. And so now- She's ready to meet her mommy. 
She's she's so ready that she's decided to be solo. She's given me a UTI. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know this is probably going to be a longer than normal podcast, mm-hmm. but I also think that I know at least for me, what got me through all of this was looking up stories online, listening to friends who were willing to open up with me. And, and as soon as you start talking about it, you realize how common it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So incredibly it. common. There's power in numbers. Yeah. Ty, Ty never knew that his mom had gone through one and, until mm-hmm. we had ours and talked about it. And, um, you know, I think it's just, it's such a, it's such a common thing and it doesn't matter when in your pregnancy when you went through it, how many times you went through it, no matter how big or small. I think, I think that's why we're opening up so much about it. The truth of the matter is I've, I've, written about it. Um, and, and, and there is an article on our website, hi, my name is mom.com that goes into more depth about my miss miscarriage, but I have never talked publicly about the actual experience of going through a natural miscarriage. And that's something that I looked for information on and it might be TMI for some people and, and you know, that's fine. But I also craved that information because my doctor was a man. He had never been through it. He could tell me that it might be kind of like a period and that was it. And so the other thing though, that I think is really important, um, and I think Kayla more than anyone can, can speak on this, but uh, we recognize that, you know, there's a lot of rainbow babies and there's some people who don't have that rainbow baby yet or who felt like they missed that window for their rainbow baby. Um, and that's or they might thing. not even have had the loss yet to have a rainbow. They, you just yeah. might be going through infertility and just yearning for your first baby. What we want to do is share our stories and also – like we talked about earlier, just provide hope. I mean, Jen and I watched what Kayla went through and I can't even tell you how hard I wish for this baby that's on the way. I mean, (laughs) you know, you watch your friend who is just this like natural mother go through this. um, And the, the hope was always there, but the more times you went through it, Kayla, the more it's hard to have that hope. And, and, and here she is. I mean, you know, (laughs) there are rainbows that you, you can't see coming and then, and then they're almost in your arms. And so it's really about that hope. Um, and, and keeping that hope and, and us helping not just to, not just to have that hope for Kayla, but for anybody out there who is going through the struggle that feels familiar to all of us. We wanted to send you some love. We are here to push that hope out there. Message us. If you need someone to talk to, seriously message us. Um, Publicly, privately, if you want to share, like we're happy to be a sounding board for each and every one yeah. of you. It's it's so important that anyone going through a loss like this feels like they have a tribe. We never want to leave you on a downer, and I know this is a lot of heavy stuff. So why don't we have everybody share pictures of their rainbows? That's a great idea. My little rainbow who now just talks to Alexa all the time. <laughs> Kayla's rainbow gave her a UTI today. She my did. little rainbow took a dump in her hand and dropped it on my living room carpet. Stinky little rainbow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to Hi, My Name is Mom. Come follow us at Hi, My Name is Mom Official. Hi, My Name is Mom on Facebook. And you can check out our website, hi, my name is mom.com, where we are going to share more about each of our individual journeys. Please feel free to reach out anytime. If you have a mom fashion, we'd love to share that. And on a side note, you can also talk to us privately. We don't necessarily have to share anything that you say to us. We want to be here for you on a public or private level. So we really appreciate you listening and being a part of our little mommy tribe. Your name is Mom.